1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, you can follow us online at KDOS1060.com. We're live from Super Bowl 57 Radio Row. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. And if you missed the announcement here this morning, you probably are also wondering as well. This is our number two of Extra Point. We've combined the sports zone and Extra Point this week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as we're coming to you live from Radio Row. So our number two. In addition to that, we now have a KDOS app brought to you by Superbook Sports. Available right now for Apple users. Android users will be coming later, but get to your Apple store, type in KDOS 1060, and download the KDOS AM 1060 app. We'll be coordinating with the team back at the station uh, to get some prizes and fun things happening over on the app. So that is up and operational here starting today. So that's really exciting news. Bob and Kayla here with you up until 1 o'clock, and let's reset the scene as we typically do with our poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, and we're keeping this up here for the week for obvious reasons. Who wins Super Bowl 57, the Chiefs or the Eagles? Corey manning the operations back at the studios. What do we have? Leading still is the Eagles, 62% right now on KDOS1060.com, followed by the Chiefs right now at 38%. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Are you going to wager on Super Bowl 57? Uh, yes or no, Corey? Leading right now is still yes. We're looking at about 58.3% and no is at 41.7 over on KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter. Speaking of wagering, scheduled to join us around 11.15 today is Mike Palm. Circa Sports is calling in. I'm really interested to get his perspective on things. So uh, Circa Sports, Bob, you might know a little bit more about all of this here. Uh, burst onto the scene in October of 2020. What a time to try to get things yeah. up and operational. But they really, from the sounds of it, have done things the right way and have become one of the premier sports books in Las Vegas. Absolutely. Uh, in downtown, it's you know part of the uh, you know, downtown renovation or you know reclamation <laughs> to so, to some extent. Uh, when I lived in Vegas, I went downtown occasionally, uh, but uh, you know, and I didn't go down when I left Vegas and then you know, went back to visit and so forth. Didn't go downtown very often. But uh, I've been to Vegas a, a handful of times since the pandemic and since Circa obviously opened. And uh, that's, uh, you know, they're really the reason, I think the biggest reason why, why downtown has become kind of a destination spot. And you got to check it out. And it's a huge, a huge place. And the sports book is just enormous. And it's uh, like no other sports book that I've ever been to. And I've been to many. 
Well, looking forward to having a conversation with Mike Palm here. Uh, in addition to that, it is Wednesday, and we cannot forget about the WM Phoenix Open. So we will get into all of that with Cam Rogers around 12.05 today. And we'll also be joined by Mike Tanier to chat Eagles and Chiefs. Uh, so I, I did think that this was... Um, you know, interesting when we think about the Eagles and the Chiefs, Bob, you've been able to kind of get some perspective about what everyone is saying. I know we can't really glean much of anything from Monday night, but when they have their press conferences, like normal, uh, addressing the media, we just have more of them more often. What have been some of the takeaways that you've kind of heard from? And we'll start with the Chiefs side of things. I actually think the biggest thing I've heard from the last couple of days with the Chiefs, and uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what's been said this morning I know that there's some stuff going on all day long and and so forth but from the last year from the Monday night circus which is just kind of in my opinion for the most part a waste of time yesterday that was much more um, you know if you're trying to learn something like I am always no matter what uh, whether I'm reading or listening I'm trying to come up with something yeah, Andy Reid talking about how you know, he was asked about the week in between, and he actually is really, really in favor of the week in between uh, for reasons, everything from you know, tickets for players and their families and to get settled and to figure things out and so forth. So that's the thing, the thing that stood out for me. He's no hesitation. Uh, he was in favor of that and thinks it's a good thing that you had the time off in between. Also, you know, they were in pads on Monday. Uh, the Chiefs, after they obviously, you know, there was you know, some workouts last week and so forth, but they weren't in pads. And, you know, he made it a point and, you know, some of the players made the point that uh, they definitely went back to pads and players seem to be pretty happy about that. The Eagles in their hand have kind of you know, laid off as far as that goes. And, you know, yesterday... The Chiefs seem to have more of a diligent workout than the Eagles did, but the, the Eagles are going to pick it up and kind of go as scheduled during a regular work week uh, today, tomorrow, and Friday, heading into Sunday. Do we actually have any tangible information that suggests somebody who's going to be in pads the week leading up to the Super Bowl is going to perform better or somebody that takes it more in, in a, a, a lighter workout sense uh, has less success? Do we, do we have any tangible evidence to suggest one way or the other or do we just kind of our own personal philosophies on that one? I'd say own personal philosophy. I don't really even know where to start searching for such a thing. I don't know if there's like a Super Bowl history of in pads, not in pads, and when you were in pads and out of pads. And the game has also changed so much, and the rules have changed so much of how much you can actually do during the regular season. You know, Super Bowl week, I think that you can pretty much do what you want as far as uh, – you know, in pads and not in pads. It's, just, it's a, you know, the organizational choice at that point. But I don't think there's any history that suggests that one way is better than the other. You know, I, I think for me, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself that you want to make sure that you're the most prepared you can possibly be. 
but you also don't want to risk getting somebody hurt uh, ahead of the biggest game. I mean, we almost saw that in the AFC Championship game with Kelsey popping up with a back injury, like last play of the game or last play of the practice on Friday. He ended up obviously performing on Sunday and performing well. So it's kind of trying to figure out how to find that balance. But I would think that the week in between is a great time for players to uh, have their bodies get healed up a little bit and that one final push for the biggest game of the year where all your dreams can come true yeah and we also we have a unique situation here because you know you have the two quarterbacks are not a hundred percent when we last saw Jalen Hurts obviously you know his shoulders not a hundred percent and it's definitely without question affected his accuracy throwing the ball down the field you can just look at the numbers and you know that for sure and you probably realized that before you even looked at the numbers and then we saw Mahomes obviously you know, try to get by for the last you know game and a half or longer, a little longer than that, right? The game in three quarters uh, with the ankle injury, and uh, how much they actually are better because they had the week off. I don't think we're going to really know until Sunday, or maybe not until long after Sunday, for that matter. Yeah, I'm going to be fascinated to know just how healthy Jalen Hurts is and, and, and what that status will look like if there's anything that he needs done in the offseason or if it really is just something that's going to take a bunch of rest to finally heal and get recovered. Yeah, I'd add the same thing to Mahomes. Uh, so, you know, high ankle sprain uh, is usually a multi-week thing and not just a, like a two- or three-week thing. So... We'll see, uh, but uh, it's uh, it definitely, I think it kind of has to at least play some kind of role into your handicapping this game, no matter which side you prefer. Yeah, and I think for the handicapping side of it, at least for the Eagles side in the NFC Championship game, the last thing that we remember from Jalen Hurts was him being a little bit more inaccurate than we're used to seeing. Uh, throws not kind of getting there like we're used to seeing. And so you wonder, is an extra week going to help? We saw that an extra week seemed to help uh, in, in him's recovery and then getting ready to go against the Giants. But then from the Giants to the 49ers is where we saw kind of a bit of a drop-off. Yeah, I would even say the first game against the Giants, uh, there were some inaccurate throws. A couple of them were caught because the receivers made tremendous plays, especially Goddard, uh, one play that I can remember. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll see. But, yeah, the NFL Network did a really good job and have a breakdown and kind of a you know, collage of plays, like lack of a better term for me in collage. But, you know, you know some back-to-back plays uh, of him not being as accurate since the injury that he suffered like more than a month ago now in the regular season as opposed to you know before when seemed like every pass through they threw for several weeks was exactly where he wanted it to be Absolutely. And from the Chiefs side of things with Patrick Mahomes and that ankle, I mean, obviously we saw him gut it out and and make a huge play with his legs to propel them into victory. So he's willing to put it on the line. And I'm curious about this because we think about Patrick Mahomes and just all that he's accomplished at such a young age. We, We know him for all of the crazy flair plays that he has, but are we undervaluing the toughness that he's been showing? Well, I, we've seen this a couple times now. A couple years ago in the playoffs, also he had a you know similar situation where he had to gut it through and and so forth. And I actually 
thought last the last you know the conference championship game the first half of that game until he had to have that play where he rolled to the left and had to kind of contort his body I actually thought he was pretty mobile that particular game certainly in comparison to the week before We'll step aside here on KDOS AM 1060 and prepare for Mike Palm with Circa Sports to call in. We'll get a little insight into Las Vegas here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, follow us online at KDOS1060.com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall -wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. Waiting for Mike Palm of Circa Sports to join us uh, here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. And recently as well, the new app. Uh, Android users, you're coming soon right now for Apple users. Get on over to the Apple Store and uh, uh, click in KDOS 1060 to download the new KDOS AM 1060 app. Working with the team back in the studios uh, to get some prizes and things going for you. But the app coming to you uh, from the Superbook Sports. We'll look to join, uh, be joined by Mike Palm, VP of Operations with Circa Sports here shortly. But in the interim, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he always finds a way to make himself relevant. And we're talking about him yet again. But this time, He's discussing how he's very much looking forward to heading out for four days in complete darkness. Yeah, okay. That's uh, the latest from the McAfee show, the McAfee appearance yesterday. And uh, let's uh, see how this goes. Uh, obviously, he's 39, and uh, he says he hasn't decided yet whether he's going to play next year. But uh, after he does the... Uh, four-day, four-night uh, darkness retreat uh, soon after Super Bowl Sunday that uh, apparently he's going to make a decision at that point. I'm not sure what if you're a team that would be interested in Rodgers if you don't know how long he's going to be playing for you, and he is 39. I realize Tom Brady kind of defied all the odds when he played till he was 45, but I mean, how much would you give up in return for Rodgers? I think is uh, something that maybe hasn't been talked about enough uh, in some of the national airwaves. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because if you look at what most commonly has been discussed right now has been the New York Jets. But if you're the Jets and you're looking at what you have built so far on the defensive side of the ball, you have Garrett Wilson on the offensive side of the ball uh, waiting for your stud rookie running back to come back healthy moving forward. You seemingly are a quarterback away from making some noise in the AFC and at least in the AFC East and pushing the Bills maybe. Uh, but to your point here, if Aaron Rodgers 
for the last three years has been, I don't know if I'm coming back. I'm going to take the off season to try to figure it out. Are you willing to give up a lot for maybe one year? And then in addition to that, Aaron has not been participating in off season programs in March and April um, and May. And he, he doesn't show up until training camp and, yeah. Therefore, when you're trying to transition into a new team, is he going to be willing to come in and get that extra work with a young team that I think needs it? Yeah, I think that's a really good point about the offseason. I think there'd be some kind of, have to have some kind of assurance that he would be participating in the offseason. In addition to that, you know, you mentioned that brought up the Jets thing. You know, Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, who only now played one year, uh, you know, for the Jets, and obviously he was very productive and is going to be. He's part of the 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 uh, you know the you know, regular season awards thing tomorrow night. He's one of the candidates for the offensive rookie of the year, etc. He made the rounds yesterday, uh, you know, around radio, radio row and television networks, etc. Uh, and he was at, I saw him in two different. I saw him on ESPN and on NFL Network, and it's kind of the same line of questioning. He was asked about Rodgers both times specifically. I think he's got to be kind of careful how he answers that because I don't know if it could be a tampering thing because Rodgers is under contract next year with the, the Packers. But he said all the right things, and you know, they played the Packers this past year, and he said he was impressed in la-di-da. But still, uh, it, it's a really it, it, difficult decision for the uh, organization involved. And I think that that is just uh, – Everybody talks about the Rodgers side of this too, but there's you know the two sides have to agree on something, uh, and among other things is you know will he actually participate in the off season as you brought up? And the other thing here too, could the Packers also decide to be done? I know that he is under contract, so deciding to be done with everything also kind of changes the dynamics and it changes what the Packers would have to do to quote unquote be done, um, but. Are they getting exhausted from all of this? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I think it depends on whether they're ready to move on to Mr. Love. And I personally think that uh, he's – I would be really surprised at any point. I've been not changing my tune now. I know we saw some more of him last year, and he had some good moments. Uh, but you know, I'm going all the way back to his, you know, his best year in college was not his last year in college. After most of his, you know, playmakers around him at Utah State had left, he was pretty mediocre that last year. I mean, if he had entered the draft the year before he did, he would have been drafted, I'm guessing, higher than he was in the mid-20s uh, as opposed to when he did come out. And so I, I just, I'm not, I would be very surprised if he were ever a really uh, elite high-quality, even above-average NFL quarterback, and I think that might play a role in what the Packers are thinking, too. Back to Aaron Rodgers for just a minute here. We're also thinking that Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers of his MVP seasons. Did we see a decline in that? But if you're also a suitor that's interested in Aaron Rodgers' services, are you willing to say, well, yeah, we, we've noticed some decline. Uh, he's not MVP Aaron Rodgers, but his decline is still better than what we have. That's probably the case for most teams, right? Uh, if you look at the quarterback playing a league, that he is, you know, wherever he is right now or wherever he thought he was last year is better than what they have. I think it's also difficult to really assess where he was last year 
Um, you know, the offensive line was seldom intact. Uh, the receiving situation was obviously not as good as it was when Adams was there. Uh, and you know, while there were some throws that he did not seem to make that he had made in other years, at least on a consistent basis, there were still some wow plays uh, during the season. So I think if you're just trying to trying to evaluate his performance for last from last season, I think that that's a difficult chore in itself. Sticking with uh, the theme of Aaron Rodgers and a potential team that he was linked to because of, of course, his connection with Devontae Adams is the Raiders. Uh, they have obviously decided that they're going to move on from Derek Carr. Um, now, all of a sudden, there's potential thoughts here that Derek Carr and the Saints could be a marriage. Yeah, I think the one thing about the Derek Carr story here, whether it's the Saints or the Jets or whoever, is that if he's on the roster as of next Tuesday, February 14th, uh, he's owed $40.4 million in guaranteed money. Uh, so wherever he is. Uh, so I think that kind of limits the chances of him being traded. Uh, in addition to that, let's say you're the Saints or the Jets or whoever, uh, I think you got to think that there's a good chance that he's going to be cut by next, uh, you know, next Tuesday. Uh, that, that deadline of 4.40 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, you can maybe just get him in free agency uh, for, I'm guessing, it is somewhat of a lesser salary. But how much of a lesser salary is he going to take? Is Derek Carr, uh, you know, I think playing in New York versus playing in New Orleans, or, I mean, New Orleans has a very rabid fan base, but it is still, there is still a difference here. But does his demeanor does his ability does his skill set seem to fit better in new orleans actually i kind of like the jets uh i like the jets run young receivers i like the new orleans offensive line more but both of these offensive lines were battered last year and neither of them uh in fact the jets didn't play one game last season with their preferred offensive line intact the saints it seemed like they had somebody out almost every week as the season went on and really you know, pretty quickly into the season. So I think you have to, if you just take the receivers and then you have to figure out whether Michael Thomas is going to be healthy and part of that. Uh, but uh, the receiver wise, I would go, I kind of like the Jets group better, but largely because of Wilson. And if you're taking the offensive line, if they're intact, I would take the Saints. So it kind of depends on how you try to assess the situation and how to you know, evaluate the returning players on the offensive side of the ball. Both those teams have pretty good defenses, though, I will say, that that uh, plays a role at all to the quarterback's thinking. Yeah, and I, I guess we continue to have this narrative that the path to success is easier in the NFC than it is in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that seems to be slanting more every day. So uh, I think that definitely is a – if I were involved, that would certainly be an issue or something I'd be considering for sure. 
Well, it uh, doesn't look like we were able to catch up with Mike Palm in that segment, trying to connect up with his people to see if we can reschedule him for a little bit later on in the program. So we'll continue to work through that as we try to connect up with Mike Palm, VP of Operations with Circa uh, Sports here on KDOS AM 1060. We're live from Super Bowl Radio Row in downtown Phoenix. He is Bob Kemp. I am Kayla Mortolaro. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and kdus1060.com. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 and as always online at KDOS1060.com. In addition to that, if you've missed the news of the morning in regards to things happening here at KDOS AM 1060, the KDOS AM 1060 family now has an app. If you are an Android user, your time is coming here shortly. Uh, Apple users, you can download it now. Go to the Apple uh, Store. Type in KDOS 1060 and get our new app. Obviously, uh, you can use Apple CarPlay in the car and get us on the app uh, or however else you like to consume your products through apps. Uh, we're working with the team to get some cool prizes and things uh, for listener rewards. Uh, we'll have much more details as all of that comes out. It was a pretty exciting email for us here this morning, just moments before we went live around 10 a.m. But Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here on KDOS AM 1060 live from Radio Row. Um, we had the opportunity yesterday, or I should say I had the opportunity yesterday to attend the Fox Media Day. Fox, of course, is host of Super Bowl 57, and they made their talent available to us to ask some questions, and I was able to ask rules analyst Dean Blandino a few questions. We had plenty to get into in terms of understanding some of uh, what happened in that AFC championship game. We now know that there are actually chips in football, so kind of understanding technology. Uh, in addition to that, just what is something that he would like to see changed moving forward uh, after seeing things un unfold this year? So, Corey, if you can, queue up uh, that conversation with Dean Blandino. to get the replay booth kind of signaling down to yeah. make some changes. Then it kind of seemed to kind of go away, and then coaches had to make some challenges to make some calls that were pretty obvious. Can you explain kind of what the NFL is trying to accomplish here and what we could expect moving forward? The NFL, what they're trying to accomplish is prevent a coach's challenge when it's obvious that the call in the field should be changed. And, but it's it's incumbent on the replay official to do that quickly, like not wait till the play clock is about to expire or the snap's about to go off. So that's it has to be obvious, and they can communicate to the on-field officials. I think what we've seen in some instances, right, the, the, the Devontae Smith catch in Philadelphia that was ruled a catch that really wasn't, is replay didn't come in because they didn't have the right look immediately. Now you're wondering, okay, is the coach going to challenge, and it creates this little kind of in-between window, and I think that's where, I think the, the concept is good when it's used properly, but it has created some kind of confusion as to 
is replay going to step in or is the coach going to challenge? And I think that's something the league's going to have to continue to work through. And when it comes to also what happened in that AFC championship game where the, the clock, like, yeah. whatever happened there, and then they stepped in, but the play actually went. I feel like we didn't really realize what was going on there, mainly because it wasn't conveyed to us on the broadcast. Did the players actually know what was going on, or was there just confusion all over? I think there was confusion initially. I think the official came in late. The ball was about to be snapped, and the official stopped the game. Um, that's a loud stadium. The whistles don't necessarily, not everybody's hearing the whistle. But I think that was the referee then has to make a good announcement to everybody, and then that communication from the broadcast to everybody. I think that, you're right, I think that one situation left people wondering what just happened, because we don't normally have do-overs in right. football, and we ended up with a do-over, and that was confusing for a lot of people. How would you rate the NFL officiating this year? We criticize, obviously, we have the benefit yeah, of seeing it in slow motion, uh, multiple different angles and yeah. things. It's a hard job. How would you kind of rate how this season you know, I don't think it's any better or worse. I think the scrutiny continues to increase. I think, like you said, we get to watch it from five different angles, slow motion, and we say, how did they miss it? Well, they look at it once, full speed, from their perspective. And it's amazing how they get so many right. So, again, I don't think year to year the officiating changes. I do think over the course of five or six years it can get better or worse. But I think, again, it's the technology, it's the scrutiny that continues to go up. And I think the officials continue to do a really good job, but we're just critiquing them. Do we see a future where there's going to be chips that we now found out are in the football yes. actually be used to spot down and distance? I think it will happen. I think, I think the chip have been in the football day for a while now, but then you got to figure out locating the football and then pinpointing where the ball is at a certain moment in time, right? It's not as simple with soccer. Did the ball cross the goal line? Did the ball cross the goal line before the runner's knee was down? So how do you connect all those dots? I think we're going to get there. I just don't know how soon we'll get there. And finally, from your perspective, what is one rule that you would like to see addressed and maybe talked about in the offseason about making a change to it? Well, I do think the NFL use of helmet rule, while I think it comes from a good place because it's player safety, I do think it's a very difficult rule to officiate. I think it's very broad as written, uh, where a player lowers their head and initiates forcible contact. Um, I think that happens quite a bit, and I think the officials struggle in real time to consistently see it and call it. And I think I would like, not that I'm advocating for a change to the rule, but I think a review of the rule and more direction to the on-field officials so that they could be more consistent with that call. That was Dean Blandino yesterday at Fox Media Day. Uh, first of all, I want to say I really enjoy him when he's he's on the broadcast. I feel like we kind of understand things a little bit better from a rule perspective. And, and then secondly there, his last point about what he wants to see moving forward is that um, – and I think he brings up a point that's just really challenging is the, the helmet rule and lowering the helmet and how do you officiate that because everything is happening so fast uh, and guys are trying to make a play, who's crouching down, who's not crouching down. It's just a hard thing to navigate through. Absolutely. Without question, it's a hard thing. I think the one thing um, that comes to mind as far as moving forward is that I don't believe, uh, at least to my recollection here, that we've had a play that kind of stands out as to, oh, they got to change the rules, they got to change that. Like, like Calvin Johnson, whether it was a catch or not a catch a few years ago, 
or whether it was you know, the Saints and you know, the Saints playoff game with the pass interference that wasn't called and so forth. I don't think we've had a play like that. You know, hopefully, it won't happen on Sunday. Uh, that is, you know, you know, you know basically you know, result in change. Remember after the uh, after the Saints uh, pass interference, non-pass interference uh, call in the conference championship game a couple of years ago. Yeah, we had the the where we're going to have a you know basically you know, the pass interference as part of the replay and uh, you know, coaches challenge and so forth. Yeah, you know, I don't think we've seen anything to that extent. And one play is maybe going to dictate a role a rules change for the upcoming next season. Yeah, and you're right there in terms of, of not wanting to have any of those things happen in the Super Bowl, but also there isn't that one thing that really is glaring at this point. It just seems to be more uh, some of the, the finer details, and maybe it's just because uh, you know, technology has moved in a different direction, and we're hoping that the NFL, with their technology on the field, can also move in a similar direction. Yeah, and along these lines, I mean, I'm not really sure what I would change at this point. So, um, you know, I think all clarity and pass interference has been something that's been going on for, you know, longer than a, you know, a couple of decades. I mean, sometimes you, you're a little confused as to what it actually is and what it's not. And, you know, when they actually put in the five-yard rule for the illegal contact, that made things even more complicated. Yes, and I mean, I will, I will find myself sometimes watching uh, and being like, man, that wasn't really pass interference. It's getting really ticky-tack. So it's kind of interesting as well. And I mean, this happens in the NBA too, where uh, you know, regular season games get officiated one way. Uh, Playoff basketball gets officiated a different way. Different crews officiate differently, uh, trying to prevent some sort of um, things to get out of hand. So you try to keep things a little bit tighter. I mean, this, these are all things that we're kind of accustomed to knowing when it comes to officiating. Absolutely, I think that's a very good comparison. Uh, and uh, you know, the strike zones in baseball. You know, there's you know going to be uh, changes in that too eventually. It already started in the minor leagues on the experimental basis, so they're trying to improve these things. Port of Subs Big Game Party. You can head on over to KDOS1060.com. Your chances to enter and win are winding down. It includes the Anytime Spread number five, two six-foot trays, two chicken Caesar salads, two fruit and cheese delights, veggie tray, and chips and desserts. That's over at KDOS1060.com from Port of Subs. Portofsubs.com to find a valley location nearest you. Place your order online. Port of Subs, uh, limited time right now is there peppercini pepper jack bread it's white bread topped with pepper jack cheese and pepperoncinis fresh baked to a light golden brown i'm kind of hungry so this is sounding pretty good right about now wake up the flavor of your favorite porta sub sandwich with peppercini pepper jack bread fresh baked bread topped with spicy pepper jack sprinkled with tangy pepperoncinis then baked to a light golden brown it's just the right amount of spice and a little heat to kick up the flavor of your favorite classic sub peppercini pepper jack is here for a limited time, so visit your neighborhood Porta Subs or order online at portasubs.com for pickup or delivery. Once again, that's portasubs.com, and you can head on over to kdus1060.com. We'll be picking the winner of the big game catered party later this week. It includes anytime spread number five, two six foot trays, two chicken Caesar salads, two fruit and cheese delights, veggie trays, chips, and desserts. And if you want, 
the big game party. It also includes probably watching a little golf. It's a, an elevated event taking place at TPC Scottsdale. It is uh, a Wednesday, so we have not forgotten about previewing the WM Phoenix Open, and we'll be joined by Cam Rogers around 12.05 p.m. to get into the WM Phoenix Open from TPC Scottsdale. The uh, It's not the first elevated event, but it's the first elevated event that is a cut field, so looking forward to diving into that and breaking it all down here on KDOS AM 1060 Live from Radio Row. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. And as always, you can follow us online at KDOS1060.com. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. And before we conclude hour number two here, we're heading on out to the KDOS hotline. Able to catch up with Mike Palm, VP of Operations with Circa Resort and Casino. Mike, it's Bob and Kayla. Thank you so much for the time today. Hi, guys. How are you? I was just in your neck of the woods yesterday on Radio Row down there Center, but I'm back in Vegas now getting ready for all these Super Bowl parties we're throwing. Well, hopefully Phoenix treated you well yesterday, and hopefully everything is all set and ready to go for the big-time uh, Super Bowl parties in Vegas because I'm sure that they are full of excitement and uh, anticipation as well because the Super Bowl is going there next year. But um, I want to kind of get some background here first on Circus Sports. Uh, you're the VP of Operations there. You opened in October of 2020 with a resort, casino, and sports book. What was the vision behind Circus Sports, and how does everyone at Circa actively work to be different and really the go-to destination for people coming to Vegas now? Yeah, so our owner, Derek Stevens, comes uh, from a manufacturing background in the Midwest uh, and bought into the Golden Gate Casino in 2007 in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, sort of to diversify during uh, that, that downturn in the economy out of the auto supplier supply parts business. Uh, to make a long story short, he bought the Fitzgerald, which he rebranded to be the D in 2011, uh, and then built uh, this mega resort circa here in downtown, which we opened in 2020. We actually started the sports book in, uh, June 1st of 2019 at the Golden Gate before the property circa uh, even opened while it was under construction. And Derek uh, loves two things. He loves to play crafts and he loves the best sports that he wanted to open a sports book that took it from a better perspective. So that's what we've uh, driven to do. And I think we've accomplished a lot of uh, in booking from, from a player's perspective. Um, we don't we don't ban players. We don't limit players because they're winning players. Um, instead, we, we like to take their information and use it to make a sharper line. So, you know, we have the highest limits uh, off the street, about $100,000 on the side on the Super Bowl last week, 200 right now. By the time we get to Super Bowl Sunday, you can bet up to 500000 on a side, 200000 on the total. Uh, but, you know, when, when we get respected opinions or professional bettors who come in, that helps us to make the line better. Uh, another way that we try to distinguish ourselves is through transparency. So, you know, in the states we're in, Nevada, Iowa, Colorado, soon to be Illinois, if you have the certain sports app, uh, every game that you're going to bet on, it shows the limit. You know what you can bet on. You don't have to go on your app, try to bet 200, reject it, go to 100, go to 50, figure out you can bet $21. It's very transparent about our limits. And then we really strive to have uh, a lower hold uh, model. So especially on futures, 
uh, your betting championships and sports conference champions, golf tournaments, um, soccer tournaments, things like that. Uh, we're going to have a lower takeout. Most books are in the 28 to 32% range and takeout on future events. You know, we're in the 14 to 16% range. So I think those three things distinguish us. Hi, Mike. I uh, miss your daily show with them all. I know you only have like 24 hours in a day. So if you get 25 hours in a day, hopefully you get that hour back at some point. Uh, prop bets. What percentage of handle are you anticipating uh, at Circa with the, in the prop bet market? You know, in terms of our total handle, it'll be in the low 20s. Uh, in terms of total tickets written, it'll be in the, in the mid-40s. Um, people have a lot of fun with the props. Uh, and every year we try to expand our menu. They, they they love new ones. They love the cross-court ones. You know, the Knights always play on Super Bowl Sundays. So there's a lot of stuff you can do with the Knights. Trying to do some stuff with soccer this year. But they put up an interesting one, and Jeff Benson, who's our, our sportsbook manager and, ha- and manages the front of house, put on his Twitter account, which is widely followed, uh, come up with bets and uh, we'll consider them. One of them that came from a fan or a, a player was, Will any player score eight points on one drive? So they'd obviously have to score the touchdown and the mm. two-point conversion. That's been getting a lot of bets on the yes. I think we opened that at 17-1. to 1. We're down to 13-1. to 1. There's fun props with the Kelsey brothers. Um, stuff with the Knights is always very popular. But one thing that the props have told us this year, and what we've seen over the window on the, on the side on the game, but the props are a good indicator, is that this is just going to be steady Eagles money. Um, you know, we're getting good news on the Kansas City receivers as health-wise, and still nobody's fighting at one and a half. Game's probably going to go to two. We don't anticipate it, it dropping back to one or even staying at one and a half. It's, it's, it's really one-sided for a game that spreads this close. Mike Palm, VP of Operations with Circa Resort and Casino here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, I want to go and talk a little bit here about Circa and how you have really cool NFL season contests, Circa Million and Circa Survivor. So walk us through what the contests are and how people who don't actually live in Vegas can still play. Yeah, they've really grown over. uh, This was the third year of the Survivor and the fourth year of the Million, so we're coming up on years four and five, respectively. Uh, Let's start with the second question. You you can play through a proxy, which allows us to get 10,000 entries in these contests between the two of them. So you must still come to Las Vegas to register. You must make that initial trip. But when you do, you sign up with a proxy. That's obviously someone that lives in the state of Nevada because the wire X, requires that your bets be placed within the state border. It can't be placed uh, across state lines. So you sign up with them. There's, there's, You can go online and research them. You can call Jeff Benson uh, and ask for a couple recommendations. There's four or five big ones. Um, you make a contract with them that they're going to put in your picks for each week, and you text them the picks, and they place them from within the state of Nevada, mostly on the key, the key out here at our property. Prices range from 200 to 300 depending on how many entries you get for the season. But it's a really good relationship. It's very professional. The two contests differ in that um, one is picking five games across against the point spread. That's the circuit sports million um, each week. And the other is Survivor. So Survivor, you must pick one team to win each week, and you can only use the team once during the year. So it's, a, it's, it's kind of an all or a nothing. The million, the top prize is guaranteed to be a million, and it pays all the way down to 100 spots pays out for the top five spots each quarter. We break the year into fours. Also pays for the worst record. 
survivor the whole pot goes to who can ever survive the longest. All three years we've done it, people have made it to the end undefeated. The first year we had 35 people split 1.3 million. The second year we had five guys split 6 million. And this year we had two entries split 6 million. So a little over 6 million. So they got like 3,055,000 each. It was pretty incredible. But the, the survivor is growing in leaps and bounds. Went from 1,000 to 4,000 to 6,000 entries. You can buy up to six entries, both contests and entry cost $1,000. But the Survivor, I mean, people are obsessed with it. When they get knocked out, they can't wait for it to start next year. And uh, I think we'll get to 10,000 entries in Survivor within uh, within the next two years. Mike, I know we're kind of up against it here at the top of the hour, but uh, is there a side prop total that you like in the game on Sunday? I bet the Eagles minus one and a half. I think both quarterbacks are compromised, but Hurts has a better surrounding cast, especially on the defensive side. I bet no score first six minutes. Uh, nine of the last 12 that's hit, minus 130. Neither of these teams in a hurry to snap the ball, especially the Chiefs. They're always under five on the play clock. If you can get a punt, you're a huge favorite. Mike, we greatly appreciate you taking time on the program, and we look forward to doing this again here. And maybe we can uh, have you back on so we can talk about some of the fun things coming up at Circa for Vegas for other the other big sporting events coming up here in just a couple of months. Oh, yeah, March Madness right around the quarter. Phoenix was great and appreciate the time, guys. Absolutely. He is Mike Palm, VP of Operations with Circa Resort and Casino. So he's on Eagles minus one and a half there, Bob, and no score in the first six minutes. He's the first person that I've heard say anything along those lines when you factor in how hot the Eagles have been in terms of scoring uh, in the first first quarter, first half, taking a lead and going down and marching down the field in the first opening drive that they've had. Yeah, that no score in the first six minutes thing, I think, became popular during the Patriots run. Did they ever score a touchdown? I don't know if they, I don't think they ever did. In all the Super Bowls they played, I don't think they ever scored a touchdown, certainly in the first drive and maybe even in the first quarter. Now you're going to make me have to go back and rewatch all the Super Bowls <laughs> and find out what happened. Well, or you could get some box scores. <laughs> yes, that would be the much simpler way of doing things. Uh, once again, thanks to Mike Palm with Circa Sports there for taking time joining us here on today's program and glad we were able to connect up with him. Uh, hour number three is coming up on the other side of the break. We are joined by Cam Rogers, who's going to help us figure out what to do for the WM Phoenix Open. Yeah, that's right. The WM Phoenix Open is also taking place this week. What a sporting week it is here for the Valley of the Sun. So we'll get into all of that on the other side of the break, plus Mike Tanier as well. Eagles and Chiefs conversation. Extra point, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here on Super Bowl Radio Row.